Don't let dry eyes hold you back. Try Sustain Eye Drops from Chemist Warehouse starting from $11.99. This is In The Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. It's just gone 7 o'clock here on SENZ. It is time for In The Red with Justin Marshall talking all things Crusaders. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. Um, And Justin, we did the rugby run yesterday, so we we did talk a little bit about your Crusaders, but uh, time to dig deep, mate. Uh, You've had another day to reflect. Um, I don't know if you've managed to get... Put yourself through re-watching that game, but um, a, a day later, uh, you settled down. What What are you thinking about that match? Yeah, look, Ricardo, and uh, good evening to everyone. Um, look, I, I thought that absolutely there was going to be a genuine contest, and and I thought there was, and halftime reflected that. But you know, when when, when it uh, got down to the nitty gritty of the game, and usually you expect particularly at home, the Crusaders to, I don't know, find another gear. They didn't find another gear, whereas uh, the Chiefs did. And that, that was probably the thing that surprised me the most, the fact that, you know, you usually expect the Crusaders to, um, I, I don't know, particularly at home, find find the will, find the way to be able to sort of grab a game that's sort of in the balance and, uh, and, and, and kick on. And... I, I guess when I reflected on it and looked at it, it was like, oh, my God, what's actually happened here is the Chiefs have dictated circumstances. They've grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, and they're throwing the game back into the Crusaders' uh, you know, ballpark and saying, well, if you want to come with us, come with us. And frustratingly, I would imagine for the Crusaders and also a bit of a concern for Scott Robinson is the fact that when that happened... They went super negative, I thought. Now, I know that, you know, there'll be, this is in the red, so there'll be a few Crusaders going, come on, mate. But usually I expect the Crusaders to respond under that pressure, but they they literally decided to try and aimlessly kick the ball away. They were looking for territory that wasn't there. Um, the, the bench didn't really add the impact that the Chiefs bench did, and ultimately they got absolutely dominated in the second half. That's my reflection on the game. I, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I think there's a you know there's a ruthlessness normally to the Crusaders, right? And when Sam Kane yep. got binned, um, they did score a try. They could score a converted try. Well, well Sam Kane was in the bin almost immediately afterwards, uh, but they didn't really then use that to to put the foot on the throat and dominate. Whereas you know when Ethan Blackadder went to the bin, I think. Uh, the Chiefs scored like I think they scored two tries and a penalty. Like they really made the most of the man advantage, and they they really did uh, attempt to put that that foot on the throat and finish the game there. You're right, and and I, I think they also had better belief. I think the Crusaders. It really surprised me that when the Crusaders come under the pump, the the, the 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 key generals, you know, Mitchell Drummonds, he's over 100 super games, and also Richie Moonga. You know, those guys need to recognise what's going on. You know, um, when, when we sort of, uh, w- with Sky TV, uh, did our halftime interviews, you know, Scott Hansen said quite conclusively, we've not got our game plan quite right. We're not playing in the right areas. And that's your generals. We need to kind of rectify that 
And when we when we get that right, we'll be able to get our mojo going and we'll be able to sort of start dictating the game. So leading on to this in a sort of weird kind of way, Damien McKenzie and Brad Weber were unbelievable on the night. Like the way that they, when they needed to kick, they kicked and they kicked accurately. McKenzie varied his kicking game um, much more than Moonga. Uh, interesting, the Crusaders still had Mitchell Drummond uh, kicking a lot and Willie Hines when he came on. Brad Weber, I actually can't remember him doing a box in the game. <laughs> like I, I'm sort of scratching my head to think, did Brad Weber actually, apart from clearing for touch, do a, an attacking box kick where it was contested? And I, it pretty much always came from McKenzie or our first receiver. So. Yeah, look, worrying things are not only that the 9 and 10 didn't grab that game by the scruff of the neck and tactically get it right, equally the Chiefs' game plan and their mindset and their conversation at half time was much, much better than the Crusaders and they implemented it to perfection in the second half and subsequently we got the result we did. Yeah, we did. I, I did wonder, Justin, and I, I don't know if this has occurred to you or not, but normally Richie Mwanga playing for the Crusaders has got, mm-hmm. you know, David Harvey outside him, who who has played 10 before, obviously he's an all-black 12, can play fullback and things. Uh, do you think missing Will Jordan and then having to miss, move Harvey to fullback actually took something away from Richie Mwanga's game? What it does when you play Jack Goodhue there, and it's a very valid point, Ricardo, is you eliminate quite a strong kicker at 12. Mm. Look, Jack Goodhue can kick the ball, but David Harvey is in a different stratosphere in, regard, in, in respect of that because he can play 10, he can play 15, he sees space, he's got vision. And quite often last year they used it, they used Harvey when the pressure was on Moonga or was even on the scrum half, they used him to kick. Um, look, there's without shadow of a doubt uh, statistically, um, well, this will be backed up. Harvey didn't. I mean, Jack Goodhue didn't kick the ball, so um, it's like righto. So now you've kind of got the situation where he's either got to come up and sit in behind Moonga from fullback, and then they try and get that balance right, or resign themselves to the fact that they haven't got that kicking option anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, in fact. Ricardo didn't even think about that, so that goes to show how much homework you've done, which is incredibly surprising to me. But it's all good. Um. <laughs> usually, 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 my homework is uh, is, is of the IPA variety, Justin. But I, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I actually did some work. Either, either that, or someone's told you. I don't know what it is. But anyway, it's a it's a very good point. And um, yeah, look, look, I, I just think on the night, you know, I wonder whether or not. They got the penetration at 12 and 13. You know, Scott Robertson, in his mind, he sees uh, Jack Goodhue as a 12. I've never seen it that way. But, hey, mate, I've not coached title after title after title like Scott Robertson. And, uh, you know, what do I know? But he he feels that way. Um, I I see Braden Enor more as an outside back, so a wing uh, more than... Uh, what he is a centre, um, but it doesn't mean that he can't still be very good at centre. But I think back, and I think I said it in commentary or in the build-up when I worked for Sky at the weekend, the Crusaders last year started with Lester Fying and Nuku at uh, wing, and they eventually gravitated towards put him in the, putting him at centre because they lacked the punch. You know, and that's not any... Um, 
slight on David Havili, but it just offers the defence something completely different. When a guy runs hard, has got an offload, he's got an outside break, he's got gas, that's what Goodhue's strengths were, when, when, which made him an All Black. Like, he got picked for the All Blacks at centre. And then all of a sudden, for some bizarre reason, somebody in the stratosphere decided he's a 12. I don't get it. So interesting to see what how they review and what they think about their centre combination. And, yeah, like you said, where Havili sits in the mix, you know? Do they go back to him being 12? Yeah, I, I mean, if they do that, who do they put at 15, I guess, is the question. I mean, mm. we saw that young fellow from uh, Tasman, uh, Maka Springer, come on and get a little uh, a little bit of time, who's played all right there in the NPC. Uh, I'm not, we're not sure where Shay Fihaki is at the moment, but those are the two obvious options, aren't they? Yeah, you would think so. Um, and, and you know, obviously, the, you know, the massive hole that Will Jordan is leaving, I think that factors into the mix because, like, he's a shoe and lay down Mazir. Should he be, be available and fit, he's fullback. And you then you look across that back line and think, oh, my God, OK, this is a different attacking back line when you've got Jordan coming in from the back. He's got vision. He's got attacking ability. Um, and the centres become still relevant, but not as relevant because you've got this massive threat from fullback. Um, you're, yeah, like uh, have the Crusaders developed enough depth in that position? Um, you know, if I'm the All Black selectors, uh, and I'm, and I'm obviously the head coach as well with his hat on. He has absolutely no ambition at all to play Will Jordan at fullback. So he would prefer to see him on the right wing. <laughs> so um, I don't think that'll influence Scott Robertson, but it's like, righto, what's the alternate? Should uh, we don't have that option available, which they don't at the moment, and they decided that that was David Havili at the weekend. Um, you, know, you know, I usually have the answers to a lot of these questions. At the moment, uh, I'm not sure I do. I don't want to see them do the the Fergus Burke, Richie Moanga dual playmaker thing. Mm. It's working for the Blues with Petafeta and Barrett, but I don't think it works for the Crusaders. Their dynamic's not right for it. So, yeah, a bit of a bit of a melon scratcher that one, Ricardo. To be fair, yeah, and and it's a situation which is a little bit unusual in the modern game. Normally, wingers and fullbacks are reasonably interchangeable in the modern game, right? But mm-hmm. if you look yep. at the Crusaders' wingers and Reese. Uh, Enor, Fanganuku, um, none of them scream uh, that they can play fullback. No. Um, you know, and and then you know you talk about players that you might miss. Um, I know he didn't get many minutes last year, but boy, George uh, George Bridge would be handy now, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would be. Good point. And look, I, I think they've invested a bit in Maka Springer out out of Tasman. So you know, you you're, you're sort of investing in that in that position. Uh, with a, a, a green youngster uh, and somebody with massive potential. Um, but, you know, like, he was off the bench at the weekend. He came on. Um, but, you know, like, when you're talking playing... Jeez, I hope no one from Australia is listening, but anyway, they probably are. <laughs> um, you're talking about playing the Force or the Rebels or whatever, and you can throw Macca Springer out there at fullback and go, righto, mate, let's see how you go. But, mate, you play the Chiefs um, or you play the Blues or you play the Hurricanes. You, even the Waratahs, the Reds, the Brumby, you're like, man, you know, that's a that's a big jump from, you know, provincial rugby with Tasman to, bang, just under international rugby, 
super rugby level. Um, but they have obviously decided on that option. They haven't grabbed someone from, you know, the wider training groups or whatever and said, this is our second fullback. They've said, we can fill that spot in other areas. So, yeah, yeah, mm. lots to talk about in the back three. Yeah, lots. And uh, uh, coming up shortly, Andy Ellis is going to join us, another former Crusader um, halfback. So I probably won't get much of a word in in the second half of this show, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll take a break now and come back uh, here on In the Red with uh, Justin Marshall and myself. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. It's 7.17 here on SCNZ. Yes, in the red, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. And joining Justin and myself on the show is uh, another former Crusaders halfback and Andy Ellis. G'day, Andy. How you doing? G'day, lads. Yeah, good, thanks. It's, thanks. Yeah, mate. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, tell you what, I... I, w- I was watching the uh, watching the coverage on Friday night, and the missus was sitting in the in the room with us. She doesn't really watch too much; she kind of just hangs out. Uh, but she did look up when you were sta- you were stood between Kirsten and Joey Wheeler, and she was like, "My God, how tall is that guy? How, how, did, how does how does that how does that feel, Andy? I mean, I you, you just about you look like you might have done your neck looking up at him from time to time." Yeah, yeah, no, it is a bit like that when I get around uh, some of those bigger boys, but I'm sort of used to that now. Hey, Andy, Marky here, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, look, mate, it's perfect now that I'm the host and you have to suck up whatever I say and any question I ask. So it's absolutely my ideal situation. So I'm going to throw you straight into the mixer um, and ask you about the uh, situation at nine with the Crusaders. Now, it's hard for you to comment, I know, because you know both players and you've played with both of them, but... Uh, where do you sit on where Scott Robertson selects either player and who do you think is better better preferred for the weekend after suffering a loss like that? Oh, that's a big question. You know, both both those, Mitch and Willie, are, are great mates. Um, and, you know, we all know that the, the, they're also um, quality players, both of them. So I, I, I kind of see it like... Um, sort of depends what sort of style or, or game you're looking to play. You know, Willie's got quite a lot of experience coming out of the UK playing um, probably a more direct style of play. So mm. uh, depending on the opposition you're playing, you, you know, you might want to keep it in a little bit tighter and, and also conditions, you know, if, if it's going to be quite, you know, wet or, or windy, you know, um, you know, Willie's sort of got that experience. Um, but you know, then you've got Drummy, who you know he's been he's been fighting it with Bryn for years now, and finally, you know, this is his year to kind of stamp his mark. And uh, I really want to see him get some consistent game time, you know, running out and doing his thing, because that's kind of what he needs now at this at this stage in his career. So, but I, I know I know it's probably not the answer you're, you're after, but I really do think there are quite a few things kind of that that Razor will have to consider when when he's looking at those selections. Yeah, well, being uh, in the landscaping business, you're used to sitting on the fence, so that's fine. Um, right, let's think about uh, the weekend. Um, mate, I know you've got a great rugby brain and you didn't play the games as if for the Crusaders and the All Blacks without going home like I did and sitting down and thinking, okay, that's my team. Where did it go wrong? Where did it go wrong, mate? Just a little bit off the pace, I reckon. Um, you know, when I had a good look at it, the... Little little things like the, the the runners were just timing wasn't quite where they needed to be. Cleans weren't probably how they'd like to be. Things like alignment and defence it just looked like a group that hadn't hadn't spent a lot of time together. Um, 
Mm. And there were a few new faces that sort of came in as well. So they're kind of uh, understanding how it all works as well. Um, so that, that's pr- probably my read on it. I, I also wonder, mate, and you know how, much, how hard it was raining um, pre-game, you know, when we're doing, yeah. doing our stuff. Um, I wonder if the Crusaders went back inside and said, "Look, it's it's raining. It's really wet. We're gonna we're gonna kick a lot more." Um, but what actually happened is it sort of stopped raining and kind of dried out a little bit. And I don't know if the Crusaders adapted all that well. Like we we kicked a lot mm-hmm. of ball, and I feel like it was you know a lot of ball. You know, a couple we probably could have run. You know, and tried to actually start building some pressure. So. And, I, and, and, you know, the Chiefs, on the other hand, probably adapted a bit quicker to that, and they, they were carrying back and winning those kick duels when it was on. So yeah, they're probably the couple of areas that I, I, I kind of saw where, you know, I'm reflecting um, where we could have been a bit better. Good thing is, mate, uh, from the listener's perspective and also ours, because, uh, again, I can just throw it in, throw, throw the question out there. You, you're, you're fresh out of the game and you're, you've been under Razor. You know, what, what has today looked like? for them um, under his coaching. So a Monday review. Uh, and how do you expect them to, I, I guess, progress for the rest of their week? And what's the reaction going to be from what happened at the weekend? Yeah, well, they'll be really hurting from, from the weekend. Um, and, and as you know, Marshy, like like I do, like, Crusaders yeah. aren't um, really used to losing a couple in a row, you know. And so... Um, when you lose one, it's kind of it becomes all that much more real. Um, so, so today, no doubt, would have been just truly bone deep um, review of the game, what went wrong, and what what do we need to fix, um, and then probably starting to move on to to a really good preview for of, of the weekend's game. Um, but there will not be a stone unturned this this week, um, as you know, and there'll be a real edge amongst the group as well because. A performance like that um, <clears throat> amongst that group is just not acceptable, and they know that, and they've they've got such high standards, and um, you know, with with so much kind of on the line this this year, and it's going to be uh, you'd expect a pretty pretty clinical performance this weekend. So, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, but you know what I was thinking about, and you're like me, mate. You're competitive, and I was just thinking far out. Like of all the teams, though, like the Highlanders, like getting smacked at home by 40 points, you know, and, you know, they, they, they are they're the team that's under question whether they've got the depth. Is that the right game for the Crusaders? Like, they, they could literally go to Melbourne and probably win that, you know, by 20 points because simply the opposition are not at the level they need to be. Um, I'm not being disrespectful here to the Highlands. Um, that show will come later in the week. But anyway... Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, do you kind of get where I'm coming from? Like, it's like you, what if they were going there and playing maybe the Blues in Melbourne or the Brumbies in Melbourne? You'd be going shit. You know, this is, you know, we've got to get our mojo together real quick, and we've got to get you know a game together. But it, like, they'll go in as raging hot favourites, will they not? Yeah, yeah, they will. And I, see, I see what you're saying. Could there be some sort of like complacency going into this one? Um, yeah, but mate, I, I, I think. Prop- after the performance in the weekend, there won't be. Um, who knows if the Crusaders had a, had a good win against the Chiefs? Who knows how they would have approached this week? But I think it'll it'll get it'll become real internal. They'll be like, right, let's let's have a really good look at ourselves. What are, what are the things that we need to get right? Like it doesn't matter who they're playing this weekend. I reckon um, they're going to drive all their stuff really hard and all their yeah you know, the Crusaders standards that you, you you know hang your hat on. You know that, that 
they'll, they'll get right back to that simple stuff and they'll get really good at that. And, and it'll be all about them. It'll be they'll be focusing about on themselves. Andy, um, the you mentioned it earlier about the the conditions underfoot. Now, while it, while it wasn't a, a full razzle dazzle game, uh, you know, I look at some of the players that the Crusaders had in the back line, and you know, Good Hugh and Enor and Fanganuku, uh, not exactly, uh, you know, sort of dancing feet. They're more, you know, break the line with their bodies. Uh, whereas you got, you know, Damian uh, McKenzie, and then you had Joshuani come off. You had Sean Stevenson. Do you think that made a little bit of a difference in terms of the ground the Chiefs could make um, with ball in hand because they had a, a more maybe elusive players in the back line? Yeah, Damian ran a, ran a pretty good ship too, didn't he? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like those guys, um, you know, um, Jack and 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 Braden, like they're, they're very good. They're very good talkers, and so they. They're good decision makers. They'll call to Richie whether they put a kick in behind or you know fast hands or a missed ball or whatever they want. They they're particularly good at that to make the most of the opportunities that are there. But I don't know if they got enough enough ball and enough opportunities. I think they probably kicked away a little bit too much. Um, and also the, the Chiefs in general, like they deep pretty well on those edges um, for those guys. Um, and you know Jack's pretty fresh back from a long stint of injury. Um, and he is, I mean, he, he's more a 13, isn't he, than a 12. So you probably you probably miss Davey at 12 a little bit as well. Um, and you, you couldn't really give, you know, your, your wing is Sevu and, and less of, you know, genuine attacking ball. So I think there's a mixture of things there that um, didn't really allow that back line to really fire. And, you know, a bit more time in the saddle probably is one of those things I reckon would help. Yeah, good stuff, Andy. All right, hey, listen, thanks very much for uh, coming on in the red tonight, mate. Really appreciate your time. Go well, and uh, hopefully Marshy doesn't uh, uh, put you under this much heat next time you see him, eh? <laughs> uh, uh, good, good, good on you, boys. Hey, Marshy, I, I respect that, that filthy little moustache you're growing too, mate. I don't know <laughs> what, what, bet, what bet you lost to be growing that, but well played, mate. Yeah, if only you could grow one, mate. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> oh, shots fired left, right and centre. This is in the red on SENZ. Andy Ellis guesting with us, uh, Justin Marshall uh, there as well. And Marshy, we have this uh, DHL Super Rugby Pacific Super Round. Uh, we've had round one. Who has been your Super Rugby Pacific Player of the Week, week one? Well, since it was in the red and uh, Ben Francis, our producer, basically set me up, he said, you have to name a Crusaders player. Um, I was like, holy, okay, right. Um, so I haven't thought about anyone else. Like, obviously, Talia would be the, the obvious guy for me. But I went, okay, I've got to pick a Crusader. Matt, Christian Leo Willey, off the bench for Cullen Grace. He was just one tackle behind uh, Tom Christie at halftime. Um, his carries were the second best in the team for the entire match. I thought the way that he came on as a debutant and played for the Crusaders basically typified the mantra that the Crusaders bring. A new recruit that just comes in and fronts up. So he was the Crusader that um, impressed me the most. And if I'm going left field, yeah, obviously Mark Talia for the round. There you go. So, uh, Marshy, I, I actually, when you started saying you had to pick a I thought you were going to pick yourself because you had a pretty good call. Yeah, well, look, I'll tell you what, when Andy Ellis is on the show, mate, you know, he loves himself. So uh, I thought, geez, I can't go down that pathway because 
it's just going to become a halfback love fest. So uh, I decided to not do that. Yeah, I did. I did uh, on rugby run yesterday. I can't see you today, but I saw you yesterday on rugby run on the on the camera there, and I did notice mm. uh, that very thin style. What was what's that all about? No, it's a bit of a tradition for me. You know, when the players go away on a two-week tour, wherever they go, and they grow the, the facial hair? Yeah. It's a bit of a tradition for me. If you've, you've watched Sky in the last half a dozen years, I turn up for that first game with some form of uh, a, a, a facial hair extravaganza. And uh, this year I went for the uh, Damien, Damien Fleming, uh, the great Australian weasel moustache. It's now gone, though. You'll be... Happy to hear. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, Marshy. Good. <laughs> oh, nice work. All right, brother. Hey, listen. Uh, good to good to chat again, mate. And uh, another great shift on in the red. We'll uh, catch up with you again on Sunday from one, eh? Yeah, mate. Yep. And go to the Crusaders for the weekend up against the Highlanders. What a cracking game. Looking yeah. forward to it. It's going to be Melbourne. massive. Yeah, huge weekend in Melbourne of Super Rugby Pacific. There you go. That was Marshy's uh, Super Rugby Pacific player of the week as well. Thanks to DHL Super Rugby Pacific round six games in Melbourne. You can catch all the action live on Sky Sport.